Hey, hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody. Today's episode is a re-release of an episode we recorded back in October with filmmakers Elena Weinberg and Duncan Coe. They are co-directors of the film A Room Full of Nothing. We interviewed them just before their Texas premiere at the Austin Film Festival, and we're really happy to announce that the film has since gotten distribution and will be released April 21st on so many streaming platforms. Another reason for the re-release is, well, let's just say this film feels pretty surreal right about now as we're all stuck inside of our homes. A Room Full of Nothing explores isolationism, escapism, and the complexities of modern relationships. The story follows Phyllis and Barry as their world is unexpectedly turned upside down when they discover that they are the last two people on Earth. I really loved this movie when I saw it last year, and as soon as we started this self-isolation thing, I immediately contacted the filmmakers, and I was like, holy shit, we are living in your movie. And they were like, yeah, we know. <laughs> it's crazy. So anyways, here you go. Dig this interview with Elena and Duncan, and you can catch their film, A Room Full of Nothing, which is available to rent or buy on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, PlayStation Video, Microsoft, Xbox, Voodoo, Vibiquity, and many, many more. You can also follow them on Instagram at A-R-F-O-N movie. But for now, enjoy this episode of Film Forward. From the beautiful city of West Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, hey, welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. We are on the cusp of the kickoff of the 2019 Austin Film Festival, which happens to be one of my favorite film festivals. They also happen to be screening the film of our guest today, Elena Weinberg and Duncan Coe, the makers of the film A Room Full of Nothing. Thank you for joining us today, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Tell the audience about A Room Full of Nothing. You want to go since you wrote it? Yeah, I guess as the writer, that's my <laughs> duty. Uh, Room Full of Nothing is a film about an artistic couple living in Austin, Texas, which is where we're from originally, who sort of have a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, each of them. And in a, in a fit of self-loathing, they wish that everybody in the world would disappear and then it becomes a little bit of a be careful what you wish for scenario because they wake up the next day as the last two people on earth. And have to live with themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and have to live with themselves. Yeah. Right. Uh, is where the film gets interesting. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, what struck me about the film was like, you know, I read your guys' log line. I watched the trailer. I was like, oh, that's a fun concept. That's a cute concept. But when watching the film, what really pulled me in was after we were into that concept for a while and we start to just see like, oh, like, oh this is a character piece about uh -huh. like – this relationship yeah. and and how they're coping with themselves. Um, and how do you make art without an audience? Yeah, exactly. And I just want to kind of dive in and see how did you decide to approach this character piece in this way? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it comes from my own, my own personal stuff that I deal with as an mm -hmm. artist. I, you know, have gone through fits of like very, very dark times where everything is terrible. And uh, when we set out to make the movie – we knew we were going to be making it on a micro budget. Um, so that was sort of like the first thing. And we said, how can we make a movie for really cheap? Well, if there's only one actor in it, right. that's real easy. So that sort of informed <laughs> Less people to pay. That, right. that sort of informed the premise. And so I kind of knew from the beginning I wanted to make a movie about a person who's all alone in the world. Well, how does how does that sort of manifest itself in a story? And through that and conversations with Elena, we kind of landed on, well, one person by themselves in a movie not talking 
is going to be really tough to sell an audience on because I'm we're not making Castaway over here, right? <laughs> right? We don't have the Tom Hanks pull. We don't have a hundred million dollars in the bank. So I begrudgingly agreed to let there be two people. <laughs> well, and to, to toot Duncan's horn a little bit on that, what I think he is the best at in screenwriting is his dialogue. Um, and I was like, if you write a movie with one person in it, like, who is he going to talk to? Like, yeah. you're so good at dialogue. Give him someone to talk to, just one person. <laughs> so, so yeah. So we, I, I then came up with a, a couple. It's they're the last two people on earth. Um, I'm an artist myself. I've my degrees originally in theater and English writing and rhetoric. Um, I've been an actor and a writer, and uh, Elena also has a degree in acting. And uh, we've done the, the the artist struggle in Austin for a long time, so it was automatically like what our characters were because you know you write what you know. Well, I think you um, when you were writing the story, you were finding those artistic struggles that we've all gone yeah. through as actors and artists and stuff like that, um, and also pulling in like the best and worst parts. Truthfully, of our relationship, Duncan and I have been together for 12 years, um, and we started making films together, like, five years ago. Um, we started Six. we started a company together before we got married, so it's been a while. Um, and so I, we kind of gave each other the permission to create a story about, like, the best and worst parts of our relationship. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, you write what you know, especially when it's your first feature film, which— this is what that is for us. Mm-hmm. Was that difficult, uh, writing kind of about the best parts and the worst parts of your relationship? And, you know, you guys co-directed it together, mm-hmm. and uh, you're working 12 hours a day on a set, kind of <laughs> dissecting uh, artistically your relationship. Is it tough to, like, go home at the end of the day and, and live with a, ourselves? Be, be, a real, <laughs> be a real couple, yeah. Um, I would say the time at home is harder than the time on set. Mm. Um, we've been working together since we were kids, basically. We went to the same high school, even though we aren't high school sweethearts. Um, but we did theater in the same realm together when we were kids. We did theater all through through college together. So when we started making films, or short films and our web series together, we had already figured out how to have a professional relationship with each other and not be like— the weird couple on set who's, like, PDAing and stuff. Right. Um, And so on set, it was not difficult because we can kind of, like, set ourselves in our roles. And um, although we did a lot of, like, the directing prep together before we started shooting because Duncan is also leading the film as an actor, um, we kind of settled into those roles on set, and it wasn't— too tough, um, but I don't know. We always fight the most in the editing room. <laughs> it's just the two of us, so we can. <laughs> yeah, well, and that fight is, I think it's brilliant, and I'm not going to cut anything, and it's perfect <laughs> just how it is, and you can't convince me otherwise. So I'm going to show it to you because you're a co-director, but mm-hmm. just know that it's perfect, and I don't need your opinion. <laughs> right, right. And then I'm like— And then reason comes right. and, then, <laughs> and then she goes, well, we're our movie's supposed to be an hour and a half, and, and your like, first cut is two hours, so <laughs> something's wrong. Right. <laughs> and then I come to reason and I say, no, I know, I know yeah. you're right. Well, you guys did an excellent job. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Um, one of the things I love, I kind of, I did a little dive back into your previous work and, you know, took uh-huh. a look at your guys' web series and stuff. One of the things that I love uh, about your guys' work, besides the fact that it's really funny, is I could tell you guys like to keep it in the family. Totally. I recognized a lot of faces oh, yeah, from your web series and from your shorts and saw them pop up in the feature film. And that's something I like to do also with my work. But just want to talk to you guys about like what it means to, you know, kind of 
build that family relationship and that circle of trust and how how that kind of influences your creative process? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's easy to work with people that you've worked with before because you know mm-hmm. their process and they know your process and you'll have a, you know, a set of communication tools and a shared language. That's obvious. But also, I want to lift my friends up with me. So right. as I'm climbing the ladder, I'm hoping that they're climbing right behind me and vice versa. So no person left behind kind of a scenario. Yeah. Well, and it's also when you're working on a micro budget, those people who have stuck with you since the beginning are the people who are going to understand the most. Um, yeah. And they're going to be the people who, the people that you take with you from the very beginning all the way to, for us, from like the first short film all the way to now. Um, the the guy who voiced the... Um, was he the sun or the wind? I can't he was remember. The, sun. the one that's the guy. <laughs> right. um, he was in our first short film ever. Yeah. Um, and he's been in every project that we've done. And it's those people who like really get it, you know, mm-hmm. um, that you want to take with you the whole time because you all kind of have, like you said, a shared language. And um, those are the kind of people who are always doing us favors and know that they can call on us at any time to do a favor, um, whether it's like, low paid or free or whatever. I think you get the best work out of the people who care as much as you and you rarely find people who care about your project as much as you do, if ever. Totally. But also with our lead actress in the movie, uh, Ivy Meehan, we've known Ivy because, I mean, Elena met her years ago on a commercial shoot or something. and um, student film, yeah. A student film. And uh, when we were doing our first web series, she was one of the leads and helped write it. And with this movie, I wrote the character and kind of had her in mind already without telling her. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we actually cast her in the lead before I was ever cast in it. I wasn't originally planning to cast myself. And it was just... Then too many people were like, wait, Duncan's not playing Barry? Like, I thought, (laughs) okay. And we're like, okay, maybe we should cast Duncan as Barry. Uh, And so we approached her knowing, like, 90 to 95% sure that she was going to say yes, but she had also... When we approached her for the first time with the script, she had just had twins, two-month-old twins. Oh, wow. (laughs) And we were like, hey, look, we get it, but— You're probably going to say no, but— We're making a movie, and there's a part for you. Just read the script. And she was, uh, you know, gung-ho about it from the beginning and said, I'll I'll make childcare work out. We're doing it. So you've got to have those people that will rally for you. And her performance is is really— Incredible. Oh, but she's, she's the best part she's of the movie. So good. <laughs> she is she unbelievable. Is I mean so good. Uh towards the end of it, I really wanted to leap into the screen and give her a hug. It's oh, just yeah. talk, I love hearing that. Let's talk about uh building the character with her. Um, sure. how did you how did you guys work work this work this through? Well, we had had we had, had another person cast as the lead opposite her, the role that I ended up taking on, who she had done some work beforehand with him. Uh, pretty significant character work. And she they, took it on herself. She was like, hey, can I, like, he was based here, actually. Mm. And we just ended up the not being able to travel him out, and it was just a whole big thing or yeah. whatever. But when we were kind of toying with casting him, she took it upon herself to be like, hey, can I, like, Skype him? Is he okay with that? Can we, like, build our characters together? Um, I told this story to someone else recently, but Ivy is so detail-oriented. Um, when I first asked her to do our web series, A-Town, um, because Mallory and I, the other two leads of— the show created it, and then we brought Ivy on. And I was like, hey, do you want to play Whitney? I don't know if you've ever played someone like this before, but I think you'd be really fun. And she was like, yes, I do. And literally like a day later, she sent me the longest email I've ever gotten from someone that was like in-depth 
things about this character, like what her middle name was, what her favorite color was, like what her favorite flavor of ice cream was, like who her high school boyfriend, like all just all of these things that were like, I hope it's okay that I did that, but like when I'm fleshing out a character, like I need to know her whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like really indicative of how Ivy approaches characters. Um, and knowing that she does that, it was great to know that once she said yes, we could really just talk about who Phyllis was as a person outside of the script. Yeah. And before we ever shot anything and, you know, after we'd asked her if she wanted to be involved, I think I did two more rewrites on the script after that. And Well, I sent Ivy a script that you told me I couldn't send her. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, in Lana the middle of the night, <laughs> I sent it to her and was like, don't tell Duncan I sent you this because he says he wants one more write, rewrite on it before I send it. So act surprised when he sends it to you. And of course, so maybe it was three more. That night that she got it at 2 o'clock in the morning when her children were inevitably awake. Like feeding or whatever. Feeding. Yeah. She would feed the kids, and then as they were falling back asleep, sit there reading our script. And so, like, that, I couldn't ask for more dedication from an actor or somebody that uh, that I care about than that. And if you ask her, she'll be like, it's what I wanted to do. Like, yeah. I couldn't sleep in the middle of the night because I wanted to read this script. And she, so. would give, she would give notes, construct the notes on the script. And so she saw three or four iterations of it before we got to our shooting version. And uh, so she had all of that sort of, like, seeing the evolution of the way that I was writing the character. She was able to take that and inform how she approached it. Um, and she helped write my web series, so yeah. knowing that we had the trust with her from being in a writer's room with her already, we could take her notes or her ideas or whatever and take them seriously, I guess. And that's yeah. what it all comes back to, yeah. like, r- using people that yeah. you know you trust, that you know you love, yeah. uh, and being able to just, like, take a leap with it. It it it, uh, it really comes across on screen. Cool. Uh, and. Good that, to that, know. That, yeah, no, that that relationship felt felt very genuine, and uh, and her character felt like a, a real beautiful person that That's I good. wanted to hug. I and for, felt very bad for. <laughs> for for myself, uh, I had spent about two years writing and rewriting the first act of the same screenplay about a dozen times, mm. as you do, mm-hmm. um, and I had the seeds of the idea for this story for a while. Um, so the character is more or less autobiographical. Um, and then, like I said, we hadn't planned on me being a part of it, but when our other actor didn't work out and I took on the role, what, two or three days before shooting. Um, wow. It was... Good thing you wrote it. It was yeah. almost... <laughs> yeah. Well, was, I mean, uh, we would have had to push shooting. We if, were yeah. we were on the phone with with our lawyer, like until one o'clock in the morning before we had to like, how do we pull do the this? plug on this actor that just we couldn't it just wasn't gonna work out we just couldn't do it uh we love him but love we just him, couldn't but do just it couldn't yeah. make it happen and uh so there was like two days of all right i guess i guess we're doing this thing i wrote the script people already said i should probably do it we've got two directors so you know you direct the emotional stuff i'll take care of like the technical stuff when i'm not on screen and we're going to make it happen. Yeah. And you know. and we had a kind of emergency dinner with Ivy after that happened. And I took them out to eat. And I was like, let's just talk about your characters. Let's talk about your relationship with each other. Um, let's give you guys permission to be together on this. Yeah. Um, and we kind of talked that all out over a dinner right before shooting, which was a really nice way to go into production. Yeah. yeah to do it in- intimately. And yeah. it's a scary moment, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. Completely changing the lead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you roll with the punches, man. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Yeah. By thesis film, my lead actress had to bail on the project uh, the morning of the first day of shooting. Yeah. Uh, and That's I, rough. <laughs> yeah. I ended up hiring my script supervisor to fill in because— she just looked the part. She hadn't acted a day in her life, but she was also kind of like embodied the person. And I was like, take this leap with me. Let's have fun. Let's do it. And if you don't want to do it, I totally understand. Yeah. Sometimes and, you have that gut feeling, though, yeah, and you can and, just do it. And and it worked out beautifully, and she won like a bunch of awards Great. That's for her performance. <laughs> I love that. But sometimes it just works out. You yeah. know, like the scariest moments end up being uh, total blessings. Yeah. You just got to be adaptable. I mean— the directing is just, you know, problem solving. Mm-hmm. Every little thing that comes across your yeah. desk a th- hundred times a day for 24 shoot days in a row or whatever it is. And then 17. And then the, <laughs> and then the, <laughs> and then the 12 months of post production. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> talking loyalty. We're talking family. We're talking problem solving with Elena and Duncan. We're going to be right back more on Film Forward. We're talking about a room full of nothing. The Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival wants you to design the cover art for the 2020 LADFF program. Draw it, paint it, sketch it, colored or black and white, you can make the call. We just want you guys to get creative. Some suggested themes are diversity, resilience, and community. We've got a ton of great prizes. The top winner will be on the cover of the 2020 LADFF program. The top 20 will be showcased at this year's festival. We got free VIP festival passes, featured guest spots on this year podcast, Film Forward, swag bags, merch, and much more. For more information and submission details, visit ladff.com slash contest. All right, welcome back to Film Forward, guys. We are talking with Elena Weinberg and Duncan Coe. Their film, A Room Full of Nothing, will be playing at the Austin Film Festival this year. We're very excited for them and for all you guys that are going to be able to check it out. Let's talk about some of these really impressive shots of the city that have no cars (laughs) and no people in there that was just like – I was watching. I was like, wait a second. How the hell they do this? Oh, I'm so glad. Lots of good timing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's timing, man. We uh Austin Patience. Austin parties hard Saturday night. Mm-hmm, mm. And Sunday morning, there's nobody on the streets, man. So it was, <laughs> it was a lot of it was early camping out mornings. for a couple of weekends on Sunday mornings, trying to catch like the opportune times on some of the busiest streets. We saved those shots for pickups, so we didn't bother to put them into— Yeah, yeah. it was us and our DP, Charlie, who is a great friend of ours, too, and was like, yeah, dude, like, I'm down to just go out early morning and get these shots later. Like, let's do it together. And he he went to the University of Texas with a photography degree. Film journalism, I think. Oh, film journalism. Or photojournalism. Yeah, whatever it was. He's got a photography background, um, but he's, you know, starting to get his credits as a DP. And he was responsible for that stuff. Um, There's one particular shot of one of the busiest highways in Austin. Yeah, that was the one that struck me. I was like, the ones of the streets, I was like, okay. Yeah. 
I see how they got it. It's still impressive, but that one of the highway, I was just like, holy shit. Do you want to know the magic, or do you want it to remain a mystery? The question is, do you want the audience to know oh, the I magic? I don't care. Yeah, I want to know the magic. I mean, you can but tell. But you can tell me. Charlie's opinion of it. Charlie <laughs> won't care. There's an old photograph that you probably learn about in in photography school or whatever it is of a of a long exposure of a French street and it looks like there's nobody on the street but it's one of the busiest streets in France and all you can see is a guy getting his shoes shined because that was the stillest people in that entire like what 20 minute exposure whatever it was right. early days of photography yeah so he went out on an overpass uh over I35 and got a long exposure of the this, highway. The same overpass that we showed earlier yeah. on purpose. Mm -hmm. So earlier yeah. in, this, in this in the movie, you see that busy highway. And then he went and got a long exposure of it. And then I took it, did a little bit of movie magic with that photograph. Mm. Because there's cars going by in that photograph. But right. you know, because of the length of the exposure, it looks like the street's empty. And I added some fake birds and a little bit of <laughs> you know noise and, and camera shake and got the magic shot. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked beautifully. And it worked Thank beautifully. You. But— we uh I see it. I'm like, that's a picture. <laughs> yeah. Uh hopefully hopefully nobody I hope they didn't ruin anything for no. anybody. But no. I you we had to figure out how to do we had to figure out how to how to do it on the cheap because mm -hmm. we were we were basically working with I don't want to say no money, but almost relatively no money. Yeah. very, very little money. And uh we told him to come up with some creative solutions for that stuff and he brought that to the table and we tried it and it worked and we we're like, Great. Yeah. That's awesome. That was the one shot that we were like, we have to get that shot because I-35 is just famously, notoriously a parking lot at all times in Austin. It could be 1 o'clock in the morning. It's still a parking lot. And right. so to show that street empty, we knew was like the thing we had to do. We could hope for other shots that we ended up getting that helped with that kind of production value and movie magic of, like, the world's empty or whatever. But that was the one that we were like, we have to figure it out. And Elena and I would never have come up with that on our own, you know, without bringing in somebody who was more talented and smarter than us and had more more tools in his toolbox, it wouldn't have happened. So yeah, Charlie's you know, awesome. we try to surround ourselves with people who— can do the things we can't do. I mean, that's what your job is. That's filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Speaking of which and collaborating, I want to talk a little bit about the animation. I like all the different kind of elements and styles that you incorporate into the movie because it kind of like also goes with Ivy's character. Yeah. You know. Oh, and I'm her, so and glad her, you said that. pop art uh, stuff. So I, I really thought it was a smart choice, like incorporating the animation and like the black and white. Um, yeah, this little interlude. Yeah, yeah, those were very fun. Talk to us about working with uh, the animators or how you guys accomplished that. Oh, well, that was Duncan. We're looking at the animators. Oh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I had. Sort of, well, Will helped. Oh yeah, so the I, yeah, that's not true. My oldest oldest brother is uh, a, a fine artist. He got his degree in sequential art, and the there's one animation sequence that looks like oil paintings. Those were actual four oil paintings that he did that I then went in and cut up and sort of added some motion to it and animation and layers. Um, but the rotoscoping stuff uh, that was. We had we had shopped around for a couple of rotoscope animators because in Austin there's 
quite a few good studios that do that yeah, stuff. Yeah, Minnow Mountain is there. They did Tower, they and Tower. they do Linklater stuff. They did a Scanner oh, Darkly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're coming from the town of Linklater where right. Awaking Life and Scanner Darkly are like the rotoscope movies, you know? Yeah. And we wanted to, we needed to save money in post-production. So Elena was like, we can pay, you know, a few grand to these animators to do these, what, a minute and a half, I think, is the total, total yeah. animation time and that stuff. Or I can get you an $800 Surface and you can figure it out. And I said, all right, I'm up <laughs> to the challenge. So she, we bought a used Surface Pro and for, you know, what, six months or so while I was editing the movie, I was using my yeah, spare more, time to yeah. teach myself how to do rotoscope animation and I made it happen. Yeah. We and, originally shot great. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So we we knew that we wanted to do those different sort of like techniques throughout the movie because we did want it to feel a little collagey to go along with Phyllis's sort mm-hmm. of collage art journey yeah. and collage art. Um, so we knew we wanted to have those different things. Um, so it was very intentional. Yeah, well, I just didn't know that I was going to be doing that. <laughs> right. yeah. that, one, that part was really that part was a little <laughs> improvised. Yeah, they uh, were working on. Um, the I think it just came out an Amazon show Undone is that what it's called yeah. yeah they were working on Undone at the time and we're like we want to work with you but like what's your time frame because we have to like finish this Amazon show and I was like I need it done now I'm sorry ah, okay we're gonna figure it out yeah and I I got a lot of hats I just added one to the stack man yeah that was it that's good and it's a good hat to have yeah. So we uh, we may be talking later. Maybe you'll train me after this. <laughs> well, what's funny is Duncan and I got married last month, and Congrats. thank Thanks. you. Um, when we made our wedding invitation, I was like, "What if you took our engagement photo and like made us cartoons, and then put like film festival laurels around us, <laughs> and like that's our wedding invitation? It's very us." And he was like, "You're gonna make me." draw another <laughs> frame. <laughs> Are you joking? And I did, and it was on our save the date. <laughs> yeah, no, it's our it's our actual invitation. Oh, the invitation, yeah, okay. Yeah. I see. I so know. I got him to do one more frame, but I don't know. I don't know Look, about I just anymore. get the deliverables together, <laughs> and I give them to you. <laughs> Talk to us. You guys both born and raised in Austin, Texas. Yep. Uh, you're now going to be screening your first feature at the Austin Film Festival. Mm-hmm. which, for my money, is one of the best film festivals in the world. Has it hit you yet emotionally, or uh, has it fully impacted you about uh, how cool this is? I don't know. Well, when you say something like, I think it's the best film festival in the world, I just go, oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I, hope, I hope we're good I enough. I hope we don't bomb. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. the fact that you got in already says that, that it's good because they don't let anybody into that film festival. Yeah. I, I mean, as as the lead in the lead character in the movie is sort of a testament. I have just like I've I've struggled with self doubt my entire life, mm-hmm. uh, like crippling self doubt sometimes that leads to some pretty dark places. I don't. I know this about me. I don't take compliments well. It's not that I don't appreciate the compliments. It's just it's hard to believe in yourself as much as other people do, and that validation comes not a whole lot because the rejection comes. 100 times more. Right. Yeah. So having something like Austin Film Fest, which is our hometown festival, is the coolest thing. I mean, we started this thing because of a crowdfunding rally called Hometown Heroes, where you couldn't enter it unless you were making a movie specifically for your hometown. So to have what is probably going to be our biggest film festival screenings to be in our hometown means everything. 
And it's and it's a great way for us to be like, check it. <laughs> we we did it. Uh, give us more money to make another one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm super happy for you guys. Congrats. Thank you. For anybody who's going to be at the Austin Film Festival, A Room Full of Nothing will be screening Saturday, October 26th at 4.15. And it's going to have an additional screening Wednesday, October 30th at 1.45. Tickets, badge info is available at austinfilmfestival.com. I implore you all to go check it out because it's really a a special, special film. We are going to come back with one more segment with Elena and Duncan, and that's our favorite segment, Gimme Three. If you like the music in our show, all songs are performed by the band Dub8. Check out their new EP, Ayudame, available on iTunes and Spotify. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Film Forward. We are talking with Elena Weinberg and Duncan Coe, co-directors of the film A Room Full of Nothing. They are about to give us three recommendations, films that may have flown under your radar, deep dive movies, and they planned it out expertly, they've told me. so. <laughs> yes. Get ready, yes. Get we, ready. we thought about this one long and hard. Yes. Do you want to do yours first or do you want me to do mine first? You do yours, then I'll do mine, and then... You can do our joint one. Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna take it back to a movie that I did not plan this, but I saw it at Awesome Film Festival maybe mm. two years ago, three years ago. Maybe longer than that. By a New Zealand director, a movie called Chronesthesia. Mm. And it is a sort of supernatural sci-fi romance movie. Uh, and the basic premise is a guy starts getting visions from the future in his dreams. And he wakes up and he starts tracing the message of those visions to strange and unique places. It's very much, I also didn't plan this, but it's similar to our movie is a little Mm -hmm. Kafka-esque. You know, it deals with a little bit of the absurd, but it takes that absurd sort of supernatural premise and commits to it. And when I saw it at Austin Film Festival, I was literally sitting in the audience going, damn, an indie movie like this can be made, I can do it. Wow. And then, what, two years later, we've got our movie. Here we yeah. are. Yeah. Wow. So, Chronesthesia. Chronesthesia. Mm-hmm. Do you know if it's available on any streaming platforms right now? I couldn't tell you. Okay. Because <laughs> the only time I ever saw it was at that festival. But, I mean, hit it up on IMDb and yeah. check it out. I'm that sure, movie deserves yeah. some It's somewhere. Love. Yeah. yeah. Chronesthesia. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I'm, I'm very intrigued by this movie. Yeah. So, when Duncan said he was doing Chronesthesia, I was like, okay, we're doing this theme. I'm going to do an Austin Film Festival movie, too. Oh, my. Austin's um, got to love us. I also, know. <laughs> also un- unplanned. This, yeah. I mean, this is— is one of my favorite movies of the last, like, three years. Um, it's a movie that played Austin Film Fest the year that I worked there, so mm-hmm. it feels really special to me. Um, it's called Meerkat Moonship. Um, cool. It is from a South African director named Hanukkah. I don't know how to say her last name. And uh, it's about a little girl um, who befriends her next-door neighbor who has some stuff going on with him. I won't release what happens to him because it's a thing um and they build a spaceship in their like shared backyard together and it's about like friendship and heartbreak and loss and it's just one of the most beautiful movies i've ever seen um i chose it also because it feels like it could play like the same block as our movie yeah i was gonna say thematically it almost sounds a little similar um i was in awe of 
that movie when so I had to watch it when I worked at the festival because I was a film marketing coordinator and I was helping all of the um, filmmakers figure out how to market their films at the festival successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had watched everything before the festival started, and I like made it a point to take Duncan to see it in the theater at the festival, and I sat in the theater and watched it again and like sobbed my eyes out even though I knew it was coming. It was just when people ask me for recommendations for like the one movie I will have never heard of but need to see that will I don't know if I'll ever have another recommendation. It's so good. Beautiful. Give us the title one more time. Meerkat Moonship. Meerkat Moonship. Yes. Excellent. Two excellent choices so far. Mm-hmm. And the third, the joint Which selection. Which one are you going to do? I'm going to do uh this one also has some Austin ties, which I didn't plan this, but uh, this is okay. Fif- this is just a fun one. I know which one you're doing. Years ago or so, a comedian out of Austin did something called Wizard People, Dear Reader. Okay, which isn't exactly a movie, but it's a dub over Harry Potter, the very first <laughs> Harry Potter movie, where you silence the Harry Potter movie and you press play, and then you also play this track that he's done, and it's sort of like a book on tape. But his own comedic take on what's happening in the movie. But he had never seen Harry Potter or read it before. But he did it having never read the books or seen the movies, just guessing what the story was about and narrating it into the microphone. (laughs) And it is one of the most nuanced, hilarious things that I have ever seen. And I don't know. Good luck. I it? think it's on YouTube. I you, think you can watch it like in parts on YouTube you, now. Because there's, there's he places, got a cease and desist from Warner Brothers. And I'm couldn't sure, do anymore. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's places that you can probably find it. Don't do anything illegal. Um, but You can do stuff illegal. Come <laughs> sure. on. It's one of I'll those things where the best illegal. way to do it is to get six of find your best it. friends in a room one night. Throw it on like you're watching uh, or listening to Dark of the Moon while watching um, uh, Wizard of Oz. Right, or, yeah. You know, but it's it's Harry Potter and a comedian. Excellent. Uh, and he got some, like, New York Times buzz when it first came out. It oh, was wow. so funny. And, uh, yeah, I think he's – so he's got another cartoon now called The Professor Brothers. Um, His name's Brad Neely. Brad Neely, yeah. Austin comedian. Check it out. Very cool. Not thematic like to A Room Pulled Nothing at all, like but the other two a little bit, but it's so funny. <laughs> I think that cinemaphiles will enjoy it for— Cinemaphiles? Cine- cinephiles? Cinephiles. Cinephiles. Um, cinemaphiles. That's who yeah. we are now. Uh, we'll enjoy it. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm going to check it out. Sonya's a huge Harry Potter fan. Yes. So I will, Good. Great. I will. Uh, uh, so is Elena. Yes. It, if you've watched parts it makes, of our <laughs> web series, you will see that. Yeah. It makes fun of Harry Potter in the most enduring ways. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, well, Elena and Duncan, excellent. Give me three choices. Um, excellent film. Thank Once you. again, congrats. I'm very happy for both of you. Uh, happy to have met you now. Hope we can. Uh, be well, friends forever, yeah. BFFs. Well, it's hang in Austin, and then if you're LA based now, we'll yeah. hang here. We'll go see some flicks. That's um, right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time on Film Forward. Yeah, Thank see you. All soon. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru, and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time. <laughs>